Hey, hey Podnutsians, welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 248, which if I was a numerologist, I'm sure is something because two times four equals eight. Here's a long and the short of it. My name is Dora Dora Geek. Welcome to Podnuts, where you're not only a listener, you're an equal contributor as much as me or anybody else. Uh, I am uh, joined this evening by Bruce Patterson. But I'm going to first say thanks for everyone for their Patreon support. Uh, the easiest way to support this network in its entirety is patreon.com slash podnuts. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Jack Pittman, who was who has contributed for over 20 uh, months is the way that I'll put it. And I do believe he's still an active Patreon. So I'll definitely say thank you very much for all of the support, Jack. And thanks, Bruce Patterson, for all the support he's also given. How's everything going, Bruce? Um, everything's going pretty well. Uh, in fact, in the immortal words of our illustrious Michael Jackson, just remember, if you can't feed the baby, don't have the baby. I'm not going to lie. I almost forgot he said that. Um, and I'll give a quick like medical update. Uh, if you want to know the details, uh, you can listen to the latest episode of DDG. Uh, I literally go over my doctor's findings and everything that happened. Long and the short of it is I have two things going wrong, one in my neck that requires rest and the other in both shoulders that requires exercise, which means no good can come out of it. Um, he gave me a cortisone shot uh, right directly into my shoulder in the office. Seconds later, 90% of the pain was gone. Uh, after that, it took at least four or five days for my muscles to stop feeling pain from like three months of being locked up kind of thing. Um, I still wake up every day in pain, go to bed every day in pain, but it's insanely more manageable. Um, now, is that off? Was that a, um, a sports injury of some kind, an accident? Well, the neck was a fist fighting injury with a guy who was 600 pounds, or at least he seemed like it. And the shoulder injury in my left shoulder was from nothing. It was from me. Being a 12 to 13 year old boy hearing Cal Ripken, a.k.a. Calvin Alvin Ripken, because that's his real name, claim that milk does the body good. You should drink more milk. I should drink more milk. I drank like six gallons a week of milk. Thus, now I have calcific tendonitis on both ankles, both knees, one hip. And now I know both shoulders have calcium deposits. Wow. Awesome news from Cal Ripken. Well, at least he didn't tell you that, uh, what is it, one in three men ultimately get uh, uh, prostate cancer from drinking uh, unbelievable amounts of milk. So you've got that in your corner now. Yeah, and thankfully he didn't catch me with his wife because he beat the crap out of the last guy. But it's still time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say in the Linux Libra free open source world, I have no problem saying I hate when I'm right. Uh, everything I, is moving, I believe, towards the inevitability of Microsoft slowly transitioning into being a security-based company. Um, and I think number one when it comes to security is embracing other operating systems. Uh, they're releasing an Android device here very shortly, which I predicted two years ago or so. Um, and they're going to embrace Linux more and more and more. Uh, the pundits believe extend, embrace, extinguish. I believe extend, embrace, and like become part of it and like absorb all the good parts of it kind of thing. I don't think they want to extinguish Linux, but they want 
themselves be the, like the main uh, 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 point for people to access it. Now, taking a step back, and of course, I'm going to create a tinfoil hat at some point and actually wear it when we have these segments because uh, I'm largely talking out of the other end of my body. But um, I find it a little little curious that Microsoft makes this kind of announcement because I know that for a while they used to have full teams dedicated to planting these rootkits for Microsoft. I mean, for Linux. So I find it unusual. It's like, hey, found this tool. It'll do you guys a world of good. You know, of course, on a foundation of nothing and basically giving, uh, you know, the Linux community, you know, it, it's it's almost the cheapest way of getting uh, street cred, if you want, in some ways, because it seems like, you know, we're doing you a favor because we found this weapon and we're going to use it for good, not evil. Yeah, I mean, um, since we had old white people retire from Microsoft, I do believe they pivoted. Um, I don't think their moral or ethical compass has changed whatsoever, but the leadership has definitely changed. Uh, and I got bad news for you, Bruce. MIT studies proved like two years ago, tinfoil hats actually amplify most of the signals that the people who wear a tinfoil hat would want to block. So, you know. Oh, foiled again. Well, uh, I mean, you can try, but to really get full effect, you need a Faraday cage where it completely surrounds you, and it needs to be of a type of mesh that actually inhibits radio-type frequencies. Uh, tin is, unfortunately, a great conductor of it. Well, let me segue into this. Um, as you may or may not know, because, I mean, it's Harvard University, after all. Harvard. Uh, <laughs> they created, they built a massive building for the uh, Division of uh, Engineering and Applied Sciences. It is a massive, massive building. Um, I mean, it's probably half the size of Harvard Stadium. But anyway, uh, speaking of Faraday cages, one of the things that they did was they created uh, almost a similar mesh structure around the building for that reason and inadvertently created a massive dead spot for anybody who has a cell phone. So, win-win! Um, as I was going to say, I'm sure the teachers and instructors love that. Well, interestingly enough, I think one thing that will never, uh, ever defeat uh, spies in general is um, another Harvard professor actually was arrested this past uh, uh, spring for working with the Chinese government, claiming um, that he wasn't using their resources and wasn't taking their money. Uh, and it's clear he really did. Uh, Professor Charles Lieber. Yep, we name names. It's out there. People know. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, this type of thing has been going on since the beginning of time, and it's never going to stop. We are always looking at meddling with everybody else's affairs, whether it be elections or anything else. Right now, there are hundreds of thousands of teams all around the world trying to get into other countries digitally or physically and steal secrets, whether it be on like new vaccines that might become of interest or just, you know, state secrets. Um, it's never going to stop. No, and not to get too far off the point, there was actually an interesting article in um, Foreign Affairs this month discussing uh, there's a, uh, a Japanese protocol which basically uh, was passed at the uh, World Summit. And um, it actually was meant 
to be protective for countries when they come across a, a virus or an illness of this stature. Um, you know, it allows the country the flexibility of saying, all right, we found this, we're going to share it out to the rest of the world. This protocol actually is being used in the wrong spirit. So these nations figured, well, it's our call, so we're totally going to keep it to ourselves. And well done, folks, because uh, we're... We're seeing numbers of illnesses on the rise. That is just unprecedented. Uh, I don't know what this will all look like in another year or so, but holy cow, we've got to reverse the ship soon. Well, I mean, you know, I'm a non-absolutionist, and I got to say that slow. Non-absolutionist. Um, there's good things, like the number of flu victims is down near zero. Um, unfortunately. Stuff like child abuse and spousal uh, spousal abuse is insanely high. Um, the only constant is change. Perfection is unobtainable. All we can try to do is to make things better. And I'll say like like this: the amount of the only way to stop countries from trying to in, infiltrate other countries is to just be open. Um, we are seeing unmatched communications between all countries when it comes to finding cures. For the Rona, um, and that's how you stop people to try to infiltrate your ecosystem to get knowledge. Is you don't hoard it in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, and we're seeing some countries being unbelievably transparent. And I have no problem saying, U.S., U.K., Japan are three of the countries who are being unbelievably open with all the things that they're finding out and finding out. And like here's the, for instance, Bruce. Uh, there's four places: Japan, U.K some Ohio college, maybe the Ohio state, I can't remember. And there was a fourth place. All have developed a breathalyzer test that can tell you in two seconds if you have, if you're currently infected with a coronavirus, which it sounds like common sense. If that's how it's being transmitted, well, then why don't you make a test to test how it's being transmitted? Um, so the best thing about 2020 is the amount of innovation that we're going to see in the history books in hindsight is going to be grand. Um, yes, bad things happen as well. Guess what? Welcome to any other year that's ever existed. Perfection is unobtainable. Well, also, I think this will also be the year of the network engineer. I mean, this is their time to shine. And I'm going to tell you, up until we ended up with the pandemic, you know, and I'm hoping not too many of the guys see this, but <laughs> anyway... The fact is, is we never really thought much of our network engineers. I mean, they were just considered, you know, these over-the-hill guys who were just sitting off in the corner who, are, you know, usually are very uh, confrontational when you ask Ding. them to do something or, you know, just asking them to do their job. But I have to tell you, uh, the group of people under the new regime, uh, they have hit everything right on the head. We have had no downtime. In fact, the only time we had downtime was when uh, a major cable was cut in New York. So, I mean, you know, and those things are a little unavoidable. But the fact is, is that these network guys came to the forefront. And I, I guess they are the university's heroes for now. I truly believe all the higher network engineers and all the higher domain administrators inadvertently made things better for everyone because now they have to dog food. They have to VPN into the networks just like everybody else. They have to do stuff from their own house just like everybody else. So they made sure that when they needed to do their job, it worked. Thus, we're the beneficiaries of it now. And I have no problem saying I've done more 
in the last three months than I've done maybe in the last five years of my job. And it's because everything's right here. The bathroom is six steps away, not multiple doors away. Lunch is 20 steps away instead of a mile down the road. I don't have people randomly stopping by. Uh, hey, um, Steve, um, can I, um, ask you, um, a question, you know, taking 20 minutes to get to the damn point kind of thing. I've had none of that and I've really been productive. I hate to say it. I'm happy. However, I want to ask this question though. Don't you find yourself a little bit more exhausted at the end of the day too? Yes, but that's why now I've said, Steve, things are going to change. I have these exercise bands, basically elastic plastic, where I'm having to have a, I can't remember the right word, Palmadero Italian-based tomato uh, technique of you work for a certain amount of time and then you reward yourself with free time where I'm going to do that. So every 25 minutes, I'm going to stand up for right here and for 10 minutes do exercises and then sit down for another 25 minutes and reward myself every you know, 20-ish minutes or so by doing some kind of exercise to where I can get up from the desk. Well, I think one of the things I've been struggling is, um, well, I'm I'm a stupid man. And so it took me probably about three three months in to realize I need a routine because I've got to tell you, one day melds into the next. And if you don't start setting boundaries and, you know, some kind of a routine, uh, your days are just endless and that could be psychologically draining um in fact i can't tell you how many appointments i started missing in the first part because of that but anyway uh a little circle back to the point of the show so uh what do you want to actually we've got viewer mail oh yeah we have a couple emails uh which one do we do you want to do first all right well let me bring up uh let's see i'll start off with uh nick o'sullivan uh, Nick had sent us uh, an email saying, hey guys, wanted to say and hopefully get in before you record your next show. So, thanks for talking about RHEL and CentOS in the last episode. It's prompted me to start learning enterprise-focused Linux distros. So, I've got a VM running and I'm currently tinkering with it. I'm slowly getting away from the Linux spin-offs. P.S. I wrote to you earlier in the year when I had recently made the switch to Pop! OS, which I'll probably stay on for the time being while I continue to learn. Actually, I'll be very curious to see, you know, uh, he needs to keep us up to date with that because uh, I'm very curious about Pop! OS in general. I mean, it's, it's been getting a lot of positive press um, and only recently maybe a little bit of uh, shade, but I'm really interested in that OS because I might try it myself. Well, I said on a previous episodes multiple times, I, I have a belief. It's not a truth. It's not a fact. It's a belief, which might be based in reality. I don't know. Um, Debian-based distributions, including Pop! OS, are great for home entertainment utilization. And RPM-based distributions, to me, seem to be better for enterprise-focused type work. So what I'll say is, uh, Nick, this is the thing. If you want to be up on top of all the enterprise-related things, I'll just say this. I had a good um, uh, opportunity to sit down and uh, speak with a con a direct contributor to opensource.com. Opensource.com is a Red Hat-owned domain where they literally pay people to sit down, do research, post articles, 
and basically engage with people is the way that I put it. Um, it's uh, like a loss leader for them. I'm sure they don't make any money from this website, but it's be, besides being good PR, it gives people open ecosystems to post their thoughts kind of thing. Um, among the contributors to this website is uh, Seth Keaton, which I have no problem in saying is one of the more intelligent Linux um minded folks that I've ever listened to. Um, so if you want to be enterprise focused, opensource.com, I think is a good hub to go check out uh, a lot of Kubernetes talk, a lot of governing kind of thing, uh, a lot of open stack, a lot of sysadmin type of related things. I find it to be honestly, it's in my RSS feed reader, tiny, tiny RSS to where I review every single article header that's ever posted that website now for like three years. And at least three times a week, I find something that I immediately pipe through a text to audio thing. And I find a good amount of articles that literally educate me on that website. Nice. Uh, let's see. You had a follow-up email uh, uh, as well. We're opening up the mailbag this week. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't remember the follow-up I had, but I'll say we do have more emails. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what. So you have uh, one that was supposed to be geared towards the mini PC show, but I'll bring up the next one, which came from uh, Mark Rice. Uh, it was, uh, hey, Dor, it was great to hear Jonathan again, and of course, I look forward to your shows. I'm glad you're confident enough, as I can't manage more than <clears throat> excuse me, two or three minutes recording for HPR. It was a shame to hear that the Linux community is still not accommodating otherly abled individuals. I am a Linux curmudgeon and wish they were better at this aspect of computing. Good on Jonathan for finding what works for him. Yeah, and um, see, to me, Mark, A, you're not a Linux curmudgeon. You're just a guy who's, quote-unquote, seen some stuff, and you know what you like, you know what to expect. Um, it is, it's easy to say it's shameful that Linux developers don't take accessibility seriously, but nobody takes accessibility seriously unless you need accessibility or you as a company believe you can make money off of it. Um, Jonathan smartly, very intelligently said, I'm going to do what works for me. I'm not going to do things just because I have to kind of mentality. Uh, and he will come back to the show. He just had things happening very busy. Uh, the goal is to basically have him on as a, a permanent fixture as long as he wants to be here. Well, and also one of the things I wanted to add on to it, too, is that, you know, again, Jonathan's attitudes are not surprising given uh, being on the sidelines and watching firsthand the frustration and in some cases actually being directly involved with some of these projects. And I got to tell you, you know, uh, if he were to just simply, you know, set the whole house on fire and walk out the front door of Linux, I couldn't say anything about it, you know, because uh, he's been through all of it and, uh you know, again, uh, these days, his energies are, are focused more on music. So more to come on that. Um, actually, I got the third email, so I'll go ahead and just run through that one. This one was from Jason Milkey. Uh, Dor, why do you say that sync thing isn't open source? Is it a license? Just curious. Uh, he said, good show. Listen all the time. Cheers, Jason. Well, Jason, I believe Jason Milkey is how it's pronounced. Milky, Milky. I'm going to say Milky. Uh, the reason I said that is because I'm stupid. Hi, I'm Door Door Geek. 
I'm human and make mistakes. And I'm really shocked that no one caught me on that. Well, let me rephrase that. Jonathan or Bruce didn't catch me on that live in the show. Um, I literally had my brain backwards. Now, I could make excuses. Well, you know, I've had 800 concussions in my life easily. So that's what did it. No, I'm just an idiot. Sync thing is completely open. Uh, BitTorrent Sync is the one that is not open at all. Um, both of them, in my opinion, though, are incredibly similar in their fit, in their finish, in their form, and in their function. Uh, my reply to him after thanking him for being a very polite, not being complete D bag uh, about my mistake, he was very polite. And I thank him because politeness is in 2020 seems rare. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. Um, but, 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 but I'll say it like this uh, if you never watched uh, Good Eats, Alton Brown, uh, many seasons of uh, TV from Food Network from, I want to say, early 2000s. Uh, a combination of science, logic with food and cooking kind of thing, which really, you know, made me tingle a little bit when I watch it. Really smart guy. Seemed like a really nice guy as well. He made me not like the idea of unitasking applications. Now, if I'm going to use rsync, that's a command. It's a simple little command to do one thing, and I'm fine with that. But to use an application, to devote a server to an application that literally can only do one thing, like sync thing, I am morally opposed to. I would much rather have a framework, an ecosystem, a set of tools that are expandable, that are configurable, that have add-on capabilities, whatever more functionality available to them. And next cloud is my choice for that solution. But I also say when I say next cloud, I say that like saying Kleenex, my actual solution is called next cloud pie, which is this very specific version of next cloud, uh, geared towards either virtual machines or a uh, small form factor computers, which is why he sent this to mini PC. Cause I always talk about it there. Uh, but I believe Jason just had this email address open to him, but I'm 99% sure this was an email focused towards this show. Cause I believe this is a show. I inadvertently said sync thing was not open source. Well, I'm, I wouldn't have made that catch. So, uh, I'm glad our listeners do. That's why we engage them. Uh, so again, everybody, thanks for your feedback. That's awesome stuff because, uh, you know, something that took me a little while to get more hooked into is uh, actually engaging the community more. So, uh, again, we appreciate it. Um, Dor, with the the myriad of links that you have sent, would you like to start off with everybody's favorite developer in Ecuador? Oh, yes, but, but, but I got to say this also first. I want to thank Bruce for all of his work on the Facebook side of things. I know it doesn't matter what I think, I feel, or I believe. A huge percentage of people that listen to this show will be on Facebook and loving it kind of thing. Uh, so if you are on Facebook, take a look at, I believe it is still facebook.com slash podnuts. And uh, at least a couple times a week, I'll shoot Bruce links that I find interesting. And I mainly, I think he finds interesting. And then he's been posting them to uh, our Facebook page. So if you want to like be up to date on what we could be talking about during the show. I think that's a good way to do it. And actually I posted the, uh, um, uh, Solus, uh, article on our, uh, on our Facebook site. So it's, uh, it's already up there. So if you've done your homework and you've already read it, you guys are ahead of the game. Yeah. 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 Um, Ike Doherty, uh, look, 
it's he's no Moxie Marlin Spike. And if you don't know who Moxie Marlin Spike is, he's the guy behind the protocol used in Signal, used in Red Phone, used in a couple other things that are really insanely privately focused. To me, he's going to be in like 100 years. You look under M in the encyclopedia, and I believe there's going to be an entry for Moxie Marlin Spike. I'm not sure Ike has reached that level yet, but he's trying. That's the most important thing, okay? The long and the short of it is Ike has amassed a lot of knowledge in his years of life, which is not as old as me, but he's amassed a good amount of knowledge, and he's learned from everything that he's done to where every project he then goes on to is better for it. Um, He created uh, late in 2019 a game... IDE, a game developing environment called Serpent. Uh, what basically I believe just happened in the last couple of weeks is he's then decided to take that IDE developing environment and twist it and turn it into a complete operating system. Um, so we're going to have polished. It's going to be polished here soon enough and completely distributable and ready to download a game IDE with a complete ecosystem surrounding it called Serpent OS. Now, right now, I believe it only does 2D, like platforming, side-scrolling, think, you know, Super Mario Brothers or Celeste kind of thing. But I do believe he has greater things in mind, uh, but he's taking his time in doing it because Ike, in my opinion, does things right. Uh, but it is going to be lightweight, user-friendly, and privacy-focused, distribution called serpent os now a couple of things that i like about it is that in the article we've got some bullet points on some decisions that were made and you know again what i like about it is that you know linux gives you the ability to make any of the decisions you want and sometimes to the detriment because i mean if you look at a debian meeting with all of the people involved that's got to be a nightmare to negotiate but, you know, for the um, OS here, you know, he's simply given these short bullet points and a short reason why he, he's putting this on or taking it off. Uh, for example, UEFI only, no more legacy boot. You know, that good decision because, I mean, you know, again, whether you're running, if you're running really, really old hardware, and maybe this might not be the OS for you. And we're not, we're not disparaging your lack of resources i mean other people run things for the reason they're running it uh not diving into that uh it's completely open source down to the bootstrap and rebuild scripts uh third-party applications are reliant on containers only no compatibility hacks because he chooses not to complicate his life and more more cred to him for that wayland only X11 compatibility via containers will be investigated, but most likely not worked on because, let's face it, for those who really want sort of the latest and greatest, and this isn't necessarily that, but it gives you a more up-to-date OS that is built for today's machines. And, you know, quite frankly, that's actually refreshing. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Um, if I have a choice to have to live in Utah and have five wives or live in Maryland and have one wife, I'm going to choose the more manageable choice. I'm not going to support multiple boot environments. I'm not going to support all this crazy thing. 
UEFI is uh, the future of computing. Nobody's making legacy boot computers anymore. Of course they are, but not really. So it makes sense that he's not going to support that because the logic is he wants what's built today to still be relevant in three years, five years, or seven years. Not just for somebody who won't let go of Pentium 4 computers, okay? Now, the sad truth is, if you only have legacy boot computers in your life, that was a choice that you made. Let's be honest with each other, okay? It was a choice you made. If you don't want to take the things to the dump, take the things to the recycler, take the things out of your house, and actually upgrade your systems, I guarantee you it's not because you can't afford it. And if you can't afford it, mail at podnuts.com. I will help you get new computers. I've helped now about 20 people in the last seven months get new computers. Because if you don't have a more modern computer, you are going to be like in the bad movie featuring uh, Kirk Cameron. You're going to be left behind. You need newer stuff. We all need newer stuff. So I'm okay with him being selective about what he supports. Because I got no problem saying this either. He's smarter than me. He is clearly smarter than me. So if he says we're only going to support Wayland, we're only going to support UEFI, well, damn it, if I want to run it, I got to play by his rules. Right. And I think one of the uh, more important bullet points I missed was moving away from the 64-bit uh, generic baseline to the newer CPUs, including Intel and AMD specification specific optimizations. You know, again... He's getting this ready for the present and future. And, uh, you know, we go back to some of the older machines. Today, if you go to microcenter.com, and I'm not not uh, uh, praising them or pushing them, but you can go to open box items and get a, a top-line machine for literally 150 bucks. You know, so there really isn't any excuse if you're, well, if you're living in this country, at least. Uh, but anyway, the short of it is that, uh, yeah, um, I like where this is going. And uh, in some ways, I think that the next uh, major comet should be named after Ike because he disappears for a while. And then when he comes back, it's something spectacular. So this is it. Yeah. And I'm going to quote a line verbatim from this article from itsfalse.com, which I have mixed feelings about. But I'll say it like this. If you don't like the website you're going to look and feel, load Firefox. And then after Firefox loads the page completely in the address bar all the way to the right, they have what's called reading mode. I believe it's Control-Alt and R, the letter R. And it basically gets rid of all the ads is the way I'll put it. Okay, Here's the line. Ike boldly claims that Serpent Linux is not Serpent GNU Linux because it's not going to be dependent on the GNU toolchain or runtime. The development for Serpent OS project starts by the end of July. There's no defined timeline on the final stable release. Under promise, over deliver. Okay, that's how you're successful. Two, I love the fact that he, like, says, like, straight up, this is not GNU Linux. This is Linux. Um, in 2020, it seems like most people, in my humble opinion, would almost be afraid to say such a thing. Where Ike, I'm pretty sure he's not afraid of a lot of things. And they go on to say how he's made um, uh, the first 
Solus back in 2013. Then he went on to Evolve OS. And after that, uh, I got no problem also saying he's also the mastermind, I believe, behind Clear Linux, which is the Intel-derived version of a from-scratch operating system that uh, uh, in benchmarking outperforms basically everything that's ever existed. Gen 2, Slackware, Debian, RHEL, OpenSUSE, anything. It outperforms everything because it's so heavily optimized. And I believe that's because of Ike's finagling uh, his, you know, magic fingers. And I believe the same thing that he used to make that happen, he's learned and he's going to put in this game development kit Um, for years, years and years. I've dreamt of making like some pod nuts focused game. Um, If this IDE gaming environment is simple enough, even for this mental invalid named door door geek to use, there might actually be a pod nuts game. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, let's see. So, uh, any more thoughts before we move on to the next? Um, I'm just really happy that people like Ike exist, where it seems like he gets literal like self-jubilation from disruption, but also innovating and just filling niches that nobody else even acknowledges as being a niche. Who the hell is filling the IDE for gaming niche on Linux? And the answer is nobody. And then turning it into an operating system to where, trust me when I say this now, it's going to be more adept and it's going to be more advanced than other systems available from other companies, whether it be NVIDIA, Microsoft, or Sony. A uh, little doubt in my mind, he's going to do things that are going to make everybody change how they're doing things now. Now, one of the reasons why I admire Ike is because the man is so bright that he has enough confidence to carry on the things that he wants. And it's great because he sets the rules to his own game. This is his game. And if we want to play, we play by his rules. And I like the fact that he's intelligent enough to set up everything to be the way we expect it to be when we fire this up from either a live CD or we install it on our own machines. And so... You know, that's the gold standard I'd like to eventually work to. I want to get to the point where I'm calling all the shots, and I do it when I feel like it. Uh, more power to Ike on this, and lots of... Uh, I, I don't even have to wish him luck on this project, because I'm pretty sure the project will fly without it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'll say, like, interlude. Uh, if you want to catch this show live, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord... Uh, we try to post links at least 15 to 20 minutes before we go live. We do go live on YouTube, even though I find YouTube to be the biggest cesspool of anything I've ever imagined in my life. It's super easy for me to use them as a live platform and as a emergency backup. So if my data files are corrupt or Bruce's data files are corrupt, I can always pull the audio from YouTube, worst case scenario, and have the show go live. I want to thank Charles for coming out to the live show. Uh, Charles is a really young guy, by my standards, uh, who is unbelievably uh, passionate in his little hackerdom stuff that he's going. Uh, he is active in our Discord group, which is in the link. So if you like hacking around and you're an anime fan, I'll say, Charles is the kind of guy who I think you'll be very comfortable around. Now, 
Here's something you're going to have to remind me of because we thought about it at the end of the last show. You did want me to bring this up, but I'll bring it up next next uh, show when Jonathan's on board. It was, why was the Linux Basics community so successful? Well, I mean, I'll touch on it and then we can bring it back up. Um, it's a super squishy thing. It's ephemeral. It's not only a longitude and a latitude, but it's also a period in time where all these things happen just at the right time. But in reality, passion, my passion, knucklehead tech's passion, Newstetter's passion, your passion, regex passion, Jason Benoit's passion, uh, all these people's passion is what makes anything successful. It's not my talent or ability. It's not knucklehead text, you know, you know, access to things. It wasn't the fact that, um, 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 uh, Jonathan was in Massachusetts. It wasn't the fact that there, no, it was just passion and Russ winner and Russ winner. It was just the passion to want to do stuff is all it took. Um, I was over, uh, um, a guy's house yesterday and he asked me about podcasting. Um, Nobody in my real life listens to any of this stuff. And I'm okay with that because it honestly gives me more liberties and more freedoms to speak honestly without fear of offending any of them. Uh, but he asked me, he said, well, how many podcasts do you do a week now? Like two? And I like chuckled. I said, well, in reality, I do about 10 to 11 podcasts a week. And he was like, oh my God, I can't believe the amount of work that happened. I said, no, you got to understand. If you love something, there's no work involved at all. You don't believe me? Ask Cal Ripken, because, you know, we're in Maryland. Um, all the work he put in to being the best shortstop he could be, he never once counted his work. Well, and I'm in Maryland as well, so Michael Phelps, you know, the pot-smoking Olympic medalist who won crazy medals, he had the passion to do it. So nothing felt like work to him. He loved doing it. When I do podcasts, nothing feels like work. Because as soon as it feels like work, rest assured, I'm stopping podcasting. No, those are great words to live by because um, I've I've been in that, that corner before where I've had a show which was centered around music. And, um, you know, I love it. But, again, after a while, though, when all these people who help wanted to help fall off by the wayside then it becomes a non-paying job that nobody likes so yeah if you can keep those fires stoked more power to you yeah and um i can't and i always forget i can't but i'm really upset i can't remember the name of the canadian guy i know his initials are a jn or jm um he was one of the first guys that pinged me about doing a Linux show and then knucklehead tech ping me about doing a Linux show. And then I dragged Russ winner, the techie geek into it and insisted he was involved with it. And then it just like blossomed. John Newstetter. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, I met John Newstetter at a OLF. Um, the heart to heart we had, it was me, him and a guy named Stormwatch. Of course, that's not his name. Uh, we're in a room and the heart to heart, uh, we had right there um, literally made me cry after the fact for a couple days because it takes a lot for a man to be completely honest with another man. Uh, and when we talked about, you know, the drive and the desire that all started 
all this Linux basics things back in the past, he was unbelievably frank with me, um, which I unbelievably um, respect uh, because not a lot of guys seem to do that. Um, even if your name is Reg Exorcist and you're out there, uh, I you know I still love you because you're the kind of guy that makes me want to do good and do right. Oh, and there's a man. If we could ever invite back to the show of some kind, I'd absolutely welcome with open arms because something had gone south between us that I was unaware of. So, yeah, it anyway. was a misunderstanding. And I'll say like this. In my podcasting life, there's been at least three people that have had just genuine misunderstandings, genuine, complete miscommunications and misunderstandings. Um, neither, Because look, the bottom line truth is we all cast ourselves as the hero in the story we tell ourselves about us um nobody believes they're doing evil nobody believes they're doing wrong nobody believes they're being mean nobody believes they're being rude they all believe that they're being right honest true and pure um but perception is reality um reg exorcist got extremely offended at something nobody had any idea why uh, for weeks. And then by the time we figured out what it was, we tried to make amends. He made it very clear. Leave me alone with my turtle and I'll be happy. Yeah, that's unfortunate because I think we lost a really key member of the community uh, because I enjoyed everything that he brought to the table for it. But transitioning on, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, I know that we've been toying with and it may still come to light at some point is actually trying to re recreate i guess i don't know if i'd say recreate but create a new environment where we had sort of a similar thing because i gotta tell you um those those uh friday sessions were absolutely on fire they were the most fun that you could have legally yes that and i have no problem in saying john newstetter was the first guy i want to say it was 2012 who insisted we should have an online conference. Well, here's 2020. Hi. Newstetter was right. Newstetter was shockingly right to where the idea of an online conference makes complete sense now. Well, and to be fair, I mean, you know, this was also one of the uh, uh, ideas that you had helped try to flesh out a little bit more, too, because this was all in the heels of the uh, Northeast Linux Fest. When we broadcasted that live back in 2014, and the idea was maybe we can try and get something together where we could actually make a live online event. And wow, uh, that's it's nice in one hand, but I wish we could have cashed in on the other. I know, I know. Um, and I will say this again. Every single link that caught my attention will be in the notes. We don't have time to talk about every link in the notes. Um the one thing I want to mention is that it's been back and forth. Um, LibreOffice. LibreOffice is owned in air quotes by what's called the Document Foundation, which is a consortium of other companies. And there's been a lot of rumor. There's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of um, stories, I'll say, that has been that has came out of um, one like blog posting where they kind of insinuated uh, the number one company who contributes to the code said, this is a complete mess. This is disgusting. This is putrid. There's no way any of this is working right. And you're literally costing more money to maintain this than you're bringing in. 
which insinuated you're going to have to start charging money. And then everyone kept screaming at the top of their lungs, LibreOffice is going to cost money. Well, the Document Foundation said, no, there will always be a completely free version of LibreOffice that offers every single feature we offer. Okay. But I think they're going to start to offer premium support and a paid subscription to their software. And I'll say it like this. I live in the first world. I am very okay with subsidizing LibreOffice for people who can't afford it. And I can do it completely voluntarily. Uh, I have no problem with that. And quite literally, Mozilla just launched their uh, VPN service. Mozilla is an example of a company that can, there's no way they're making enough money to withstand themselves. So they just launched a VPN service that right now only works on Android and Windows and maybe Mac OS X. And it's $5 a month. Here's my $5 a month. Thank you very much, Mozilla, for trying to be both moral, ethical, push code, push competition. And at the same time, you're trying to do right by, I don't want to say shareholders, but by the interest in the company to make some kind of money. So I support them as well. So interesting juncture here where we could decide where this goes next, but uh, a couple of things first. Um, so the document foundation is a charity that that's first and foremost. So they're out of the, out of the kindness of their heart. They've sponsored this, this, uh, uh, program to, you know, uh, build on it. But it also has developers from OpenSUSE, and uh, actually, uh, I believe a German township too. These are, uh, I think, folks that were key in the development of um, helping Munich migrate over from Windows to Linux. But just the same, uh, what I'm trying to get at here is that at some point, they're going to have to. You, we're all going to have to pay for something along the lines of Linux. And as unpopular as that might sound, you know, we are at the point uh, at this stage of the game where Linux is not necessarily a hobbyist OS anymore. I mean, it has that outlet where you can mess around with the source code and do anything you want. But at some point, I think we have to look at the realities of this, too. Some folks genuinely enjoy giving their time and doing this if they're retired or whatever. But then there are people that absolutely have to eat, pay their bills, and live in a house. And so I think that one of the things that Linux could do right now, get into the ground floor, do it kind of like a pay what you feel, you know, because that's better than nothing. And more importantly, you know, if they manage their money well, it could be, I mean, Linux Mint is seeing a fair amount of donors. I'd like to see CentOS have that kind, although they've got Red Hat backing to a small degree. But, I mean, all some of the smaller OSs, this would be a great opportunity to raise some capital and reward the people that are genuinely working hard to present something to you at a low, no-cost option. What I would like to see, though, at some point, too, is a bold company going out there and saying, we've done our due diligence. We have compared our monthly license for LibreOffice versus the monthly license of Microsoft Office. And you're going to see a disparity of at least uh, a couple hundred dollars per person per license. 
that's the big difference right now because it is whopping what Microsoft charges enterprise level uh, licenses. Yeah, um, and I'll say like this: uh, the worst thing they could do is yo-yo, constrict too much, and then release too much, and then constrict. You know, to try to find that middle ground. I do think it's there. The best possible thing would be listen to just say, "Listen, if you can give us money, can you please give us money?" And then a couple months later, say, "Okay, now we're going to offer you this premium." support package where you can contact us with any help you need with writing macros or anything else. And it's only going to cost a couple bucks. And then a couple months after that, well, and now you're also going to get like premium clip art or something that only a certain amount of people would really need. And that's only going to cost like a little bit of money, but you know, everything else, they need to like slowly say we need money because here's the whole thing. The worst thing you can do is like, try to go too far and then come back and then too far and then come back and too far and then come back. Um, I do think it like this. It's painfully obvious. The document foundation has done a fantastic job with code maintenance, propagating code to pub, you know, to the actual production releases. Uh, they've done a really good job with PR, but if they're not, watering their flowers in their own backyard and they're too busy putting out fires down the street, then everything that they work for will go to hell in a handbasket. So they need to, in my humble opinion, don't overreact, do the right thing, publicly ask, like during first time launching of the writer, the spreadsheet, whatever, if people can contribute money, because there are plenty of people in this world who can and will, but they have to have that little push towards it. And I'm one of them. I have no problem helping those who help me, supporting those who support me. LibreOffice office has supported me. They don't even know it. They've supported me for years, so I owe them. Well, let's face it. Even if you can just... $10 will go a long way, and that's not even two Starbucks coffees. It's... Actually, it's almost not even three Dunkin' Donuts coffees either. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, another one that caught my eye that I just want to mention, just so I I make sure that I mention it, is called Google Tsunami. Okay, the long and the short of it is Google, I believe, bought this company at least like six years ago, and now they've decided to take the entire code base of this application called Tsunami and put it in the public sphere, completely open source. Okay. Now me being me, you know, mildly conspiracy theorist kind of mindset. I'll say it like this. Everybody believes in something that isn't real. Some people believe in aliens. Some people believe that elected politicians are lizard people. Some people believe that there's these that the Illuminati exists that's controlling everything in the background. Okay. We all believe in something great, great example. Pessimist archived went back to 1890 and evaluated a hundred years of, of mails to newspapers to try to find out, do people today believe in more conspiracy theories or less? And the ruling was just as many, AKA was all kinds of stupid. And here's how I could be stupid. Okay. I believe Google is releasing this tool completely in open source to directly put out there the fact that no one company is going to own security. 
Okay, because what this is, this is a great enterprise grade, enterprise level security vulnerability tool that one of the best things it does is it can help stop false positives. The worst thing you can do as an enterprise is do a scan on your network and have a false positive that causes you to shut down a service, shut down an account, or shut down something that negatively affects your business, your bottom line, okay? And that's what Tsunami is meant to do. It's a security vulnerable scanner that has a very low rate of false positives. Um, I love the fact that other companies are challenging and daring other companies to say who can be more open source friendly and they're not doing it because they're good people. They're not doing it because they believe it's going to lead them to some gold path towards heaven. They're doing it to remain competitive. And it's because of nerds like me knowing this and then pushing other people towards companies that do this kind of good, which is why Google completely open sourced this code base and good for them. Now, hopefully, places like Germany will continue to you know, push towards more open technologies and everything in the open will become much more safer. And, you know, one of the things I have to say that's really surprised me. Um, so I recently, well, I can't say recently. It's been a year now since I've been back at my uh, position here. Um, but I guess understanding how little people understand security um you know i our group is responsible for creating uh vm environments for certain um stages of development for our applications and it security came up and said hey you need to put this application on it and this and i said i want to be a part of it i want to see what this looks like because i've never seen this tool run before and they go, well, we're not going to set it up. You just need it on there. It's like uninstalled. <laughs> Incredibly, they said, yes. What's the point? All right. I'm going to jump off the soapbox. No, I mean, that's okay. Um, I, the way that I'll put it is there's good auto mechanics. There's bad auto mechanics. There's good dentist. There's bad dentist. There's good real estate agents. There's bad real estate agents. There's no such thing as good politicians. Okay. There's good security people. There's bad security people. There's a huge amount of security people that literally don't have any clue on how anything works. They just know they, to check the boxes that some tests they took said they have to check. Between you and me, Bruce, we now have a security department at my nine to five, and I've secretly fished both of them. I've gotten reverse SHH proxies on their home computers. And then I showed them that, and they had no idea what they were looking at. I had to explain to them that you got to do more than walk the walk and talk the talk. You got to be the complete package because if you didn't realize it yet, we are probably the biggest target inside of the state of Maryland for the sheer girth of data that we have available to us. And if you don't do what's right by the taxpayer, me, I'm going to make sure your superiors know that you don't know what the hell you're doing uh, because somebody has to do it. Bottom line. You know what I mean? Just like Ike's releasing the IDE, the software, Google's releasing this stuff in the open source. Um, Seth is 
putting really good articles up on open source. We all have to do our part. And if you don't, you know, my dad always told me to lead, follow, or get out of the way. If you get out of the way, I'm fine with that. But don't act like you don't. Just get the hell out of the way and let the real people do their job. Now, one of the things that I forgot to follow up on was a point to my rage. So releasing to open source, and you're right, people are doing, they're not doing it for the kindness or the benefit of, you know, being a good citizen. They ultimately do it because they know at some point if they can make this look good, somebody takes it on, inevitably what are they going to need? A consultant to show them how to do it. Yeah, half PR, half future money. Yeah, yeah, and I will say there will be a link in the note to a ghacks.net article. Mozilla VPN launches in some countries officially. Um, okay. Uh, a company by default is only obligated to make money from the shareholders or whoever's in charge of it. I personally believe Mozilla is the exception of the rule. I do believe whoever is sitting up by the upper tiers of Mozilla actually has some belief that we have to do what's right by human beings, not just first worlders, not just, you know, the people getting paid lots of money here, but we need to try to do what's right by every single person. Um, are they perfect? Hell no. Hell no. They make plenty of mistakes, but, I trust them emphatically more than I trust a Google-based browser. I trust them emphatically more than um, VPN companies who advertise on other networks uh, because their goal is not to maximize profit. Their goal is to make profit, but not to maximize profit. And I've now used the VPN on my phone for over 48 straight hours. I don't turn it off and I'm going through Sweden because literally why would I VPN through an American server? Look, I'm stupid. I'm not that stupid on my Android device. I swear, Bruce, everything is faster. I'm going through Sweden. That's like almost halfway around the friggin' world. And I'm getting faster service than when I go through my local ISP on Wi-Fi, unencrypted non VPN. So, for now, I'm happy to pay five bucks a month because not only do my Reddit gifts come over faster, but my search queries, I swear, come across. Now, the only downside, when I do a search on a search engine and then I go to shopping results, it translates everything to some foreign currency. I have no idea what the hell it is, but everything else seems, seems to work great. Hey, however, the question is, is it military grade? <laughs> Military grade encryption, exactly. Um, I'll just put it like this. Um, even if I never, t even if tomorrow I decide to turn the VPN off on my Android device and I don't use it on any of my desktops, I honestly think, Bruce, I hate to say it like this, I'm going to keep giving them five bucks a month until they stop doing the service because somebody needs to give Mozilla money. If I give Mozilla money, Technically speaking, I can send them an email and I guarantee you I'll get a different result than if I'm not paying them money and I send them an email. Nope, I actually agree. That's uh, something I should be looking into myself. Yeah, and uh, Firefox Send, or I'm sorry, I believe it was Mozilla Send, Firefox Send was a service that they took down for a short period of time because of a huge security vulnerability. It's been now fixed and patched. If you have the need to send 
less than two terabyte, uh, uh, less than two gigabyte files. It's completely free and anonymous. You can put it up there. Nobody can access that file unless they have the password. If you just if you decide to password protect it, if you need more than two gig files, you have to basically basically create an account, and it's still completely free. Um, so if you have issues sending files like via email, you can literally use Firefox Send, and I can tell you right now, it works unbelievably smooth, crisp, clean, easy interface. And if you want to support them, you literally just create a Firefox account, and then you get more file size available to you. Um, I'm really thankful Mozilla still exists. Um, I'm fearful what would happen is if they go away. Well, I'm I'm sure that uh, like anything else, I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see a soft push for um, a notification that says, "Could you give us two dollars?" I know, and uh, you know, look, just like you said, we all need to eat, we all need to pay our bills, we all want Netflix, we all want mobile communications, we all want ubiquitous communications wherever we go. Welcome to the first world. I want uh, everybody in the world alive today to be able to access the amenities that I uh, take for granted here in the first world. I want everybody to experience that. And if that means I got to give Mozilla a couple bucks, if that means I got to give LibreOffice a couple bucks, if that means I got to give my automation service a couple bucks, if that means I got to give NextCloud a couple bucks, if that means I got to give whatever a couple bucks, I got money Literally, I can throw away. And the reason I know that is every day when me and my wife decide what to eat, we don't even worry about going out to eat because we have enough money to throw away. And I'm not special. I'm a government employee. Everybody I know, everybody I know is getting paid more money than me. Okay. Everybody. I'm a government employee and I got money to spare. Well, actually, and on that note, it's funny because that's a conversation my wife and I have had before, too. It's like, how do you know we've made it? Well, we went to the shopping and we didn't look at the price of one thing. Yep, exactly. Now, I will say, look, I convinced my wife after the birth of my second child, who is now 11 years, no, 12 years old. I convinced her, if you step foot back in that building, I'm going to punch you in your neck. I made her quit. And so she went and now she works for a private company. Granted, she experiences stress, but at the same token, they respond when they realize she's doing the work of two or three people. She literally just got another raise. Come October, she was told she's going to get a $6,000 bonus. $6,000 bonus. I remember when my car didn't cost $6,000. You know what I mean? And now she's getting that as a bonus. Two words, congratulations. And number two, how can I make you happy? Just let me know because that's what I'm here for. Well, one of the things I would like to point out, the conversation that we just had 15 years ago, we would have both been hung for heresy, you know, talking about how people should be paid. You know, at this point in time, you know, there was a time and I'm really surprised the attitudes prevailed as long as they did of the expectation that anything having to do with Linux should remain free. I mean, that's just an unrealistic expectation top to bottom, you know? I mean, granted, there are wonderful people who've set things up for their own distributions that allow us to take advantage of them, but also, again, at a time, you know, we have coffee money. Throw it to them if you can, you know? Not everybody's in this situation, but I got to guarantee you that whether you're in Europe, whether you're in the U.S., Canada, 
even in some parts of Mexico, you know, there's no reason why we all can't pitch into something that, you know, quite frankly, is worthy. Yeah, um, the example I'll use, to, which might be relevant to more people around the world, is I remember when we started Android App Addicts podcast, nobody wanted to pay any money for anything on that platform. Uh, and now I'm to the point where I almost don't trust applications that don't cost money because the logic is if I'm paying money, then they don't have to sell my data. They don't have to sell my information. I have more of a say in what's going to be done with that application in future usage to where now if I download an Android application and it doesn't cost money, I don't trust it. Uh, because if I don't have you know a say to that company in how they're going to act or react, then why would they ever listen to me? Why would they care about me? It's my logic. Nope. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, two more links I want to talk about just super quick, and I'm just going to talk about them. Uh, we're not going to go into any detail about it. And that is, okay. Sysinternals. Okay. Sysinternals, long and the short of it, was created by a fella by the name of Mark Rosenovich. Mark Rosenovich was deemed so dangerous by the Microsoft executives that we have to hire him so we can control him or else he could literally bring the entire company down with how much this guy knows. Okay. He was, he was creating tools that Microsoft couldn't even understand. How the hell is he creating these tools? How does he know how to access the kernel the way he's doing? Because we didn't document none of this stuff. Okay. For a decade, the best tools uh, a tech would use in determining what processes are good? Is there anti-malware? I mean, is there malware on here? Is there viruses on here? Uh, how can I prime the computer to run better? You would need sysinternals tools. And then Microsoft basically bought him off. Uh, at one point in time, the rumor was he was he was the highest paid person at Microsoft for like eight years. Nobody was getting paid more than him. Not the CIO, not anybody else because they needed him there because he was so dangerous. Then they said, look, we want you to create this cloud-based system. He is the architect with everything Azure. So if Azure is successful, you better thank Mark Rosenovich. And I can tell you right now, Azure is being pretty dang successful. But they finally took a couple sysinternal tools and literally ported them to Linux. Now, I know people out there love top. You know, people with long beards. And then the people with shorter beards with like hair buns like H-top. Because, you know, that's what they do. But then you have people like me who love Bash Top. Bash Top, mm, gorgeous, dang good tool. But I'm going to tell you right now, these sysinternal tools that have been natively ported to Linux by Microsoft, something tells me they're going to catch hold and they're going to be really popular. Not only did they port um, Process Monitor, which is the granddaddy of examining what's running and how much resources it's taking up, but they also... Um, ported Procmon, which is a really good hard look at processor processes on um, their operating system. To now have them native in Linux is one of those true indicators that Microsoft literally might give up any resources to developing a kernel in the future. It's I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but it seems like whenever I see these kinds of things, it seems more possibly probable. 
Oh, Mark Racinovich has long since been the uh, the gold standard with his book, Sis Internals. I mean, I remember many years ago when I first got into the game um, with XP, uh, some colleagues who had already been certified Microsoft techs said, if you want to learn everything about Microsoft that's not in a Microsoft book, here it is. And they gave me a copy of Sis Internals, which, of course, I didn't care back then, so I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> success yeah it used to be called undocumented features is what he would do uh, now I put it like this one of the podcasts that makes me throw up in my mouth is floss weekly but they just hit, interviewed john mad dog hall like two weeks ago um anybody who cares anything about free libra open source software, open source ecosystems, free ideas in computing, you should listen to John Mad Dog Hall. Um, I can't wait for the day when Mark Rosenovich cuts the umbilical cord between him and Microsoft, because there's no doubt he has enough money right now. He could retire and his kids and grandkids and great grandkids are probably going to be set for life. Um, I have no problem in saying it like this. John Mad Dog Hall was unbelievably inspirational to a generation of people. Moxie Marlin Spike, guys like Ike Doherty, have that potency with them too. And I have no problem saying Mark Rosenovich has the acumen and the charisma to be something much, much, much more important to the history of computing than cis internals. Um, I look forward to the day when he decides to just be himself and do what he wants to do and not sit behind a Microsoft um, desk and do what Microsoft would like him to do. Um, yeah, I didn't load any of the sys internal tools on Linux because I can't. I mean, I'll do it when I have to, but right now I don't want to do it. Well, I'm sure that those have one benefit that most uh, Linux uh, applications tend not to have. I'm sure it's going to be supremely polished. Um, well, it's all CLI-based which we all know in the Linux world, if you want unbelievable power and unbelievable configured ability and the ability to do whatever the hell you want to do, it has to be command line interface based, CLI based. Because once you put a GUI on top of something, you restrict and you limit everything. So they literally took these GUI based sys internal applications and converted them to a CLI based interface, which I'm sure was not quick or easy, but is going to, end up in endless innovation and it's going to now mean i can create a gui based application in linux and use these as dependencies on the backbone to have my own orchestration in troubleshooting uh to where i can take advantage of these sys internal tools so um you know i hate to say this out loud if we get the year of the linux desktop it's going to be because of the tool chain that Microsoft is directly developing in Linux. That may be truer than we care to admit. I know. I got to stop the show now. I'm getting depressed, Bruce. Well, we'll have Jonathan on next time. So I hope, us so. Hope. I hope so. And, and I'll just put it like this. Look, um, if you want to listen to happier Linux podcast than this, uh, you, you, you need to check out Going Linux, Larry Bushy and Bill, or... GNU World Order with Klaatu, uh, two, two to me are the best, most premier, polished, nice people just going over 
actual Linux stuff. Uh, uh, about half the Linux podcasts I listen to now seem to not talk about Linux. I don't understand how you can comfortably call yourself a Linux podcast when you're busy talking about like home automation or, you know, guns or venereal disease or something. It doesn't make any sense to me. So Bruce, uh, what is your, uh, blogs, uh, URL? My crappy blog is simply brucenet, B-R-U-C-3, net.wordpress.com. Um, because I never remember anything, I'm going to ask that you send me that in email so I can make sure it's affixed in the textual notes to this podcast. And if you don't know how to access the notes on a particular podcast, typically you just tap the album art in your podcast player of choice. If that doesn't seem to work, you can easily go to podnuts.com, click on shows, click on Linux for the rest of us, click on any show, and you'll be able to see right there in text, all of the text and URLs affixed with any show. Um, I beg people that if you want to know the kind of things that makes me and Bruce and Jonathan tick, uh, the notes are chock full of it. Uh, if you want to contact us, communicate with us, there's multiple ways you can do it. 7076-PODNUT, you can send us a voicemail. I haven't got a voicemail for a while. I like voicemail. Um, you can send us an email, podcast at linuxfortherestofus.com. Now, if you want to email the network and not the show, mail at podnuts.com. If you want to email me directly and not the show, doordoorgeek at gmail.com. I want to thank everyone for their downloading, everyone for their supporting, everybody who supports anything free Libra in the world. Thank you. Because if it wasn't for you, everybody would have to cut each everybody else's throat and beg for money. Uh, some of us go out of our way to support others. Always, always, always support those who support you and never ever forget if you do not have root you really do not know who does thank you for coming out bruce hope you have a good week man yeah you too door thanks take it easy everybody